It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 351 for July 14th, 2013. This week, Harry Potter bought his first wand in Diagon Alley, and Google Maps can take you there. A federal judge finds Apple guilty of antitrust violations. Some see social media as a business booster, while others think it's just a time killer, which is right. In short circuits, PC sales still decline, but not as fast. Windows 8.1 will be sent to manufacturers before September. And a Google researcher is in hot water because of a private blog post that made it possible for thieves to target Windows PCs. I was considerably outside the target audience's age for the Harry Potter series of books, but I have to admit that I enjoyed them. Although I haven't seen the movies, it is now possible to use Google Street View to wander through Diagon Alley, home to the stores where wizards in training obtain their wands, robes, and such. And yes, such a place really does exist. Sort of. It's actually at the Warner Brothers studio in England, and Google Street View allows you to wander the place at your own pace and look carefully at the world the set builders created. You can find a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website, or if you are more ambitious, you can open Google Maps and type something along the lines of Warner Brothers London Studio Tour. If you're interested, the full address is Warner Brothers Studio Tour London, Studio Tour Drive, Levinson, Hertfordshire, WD25, 7LS. Besides wandering around, you can peek into the windows of the various stores, such as the Slug and Jiggers Apothecary or the Flourish and Blotts Bookshop. Also on the Studio Tour, available via the Google Street View, are locations such as the closet that Harry lived in at the Dursley's house on Privet Drive, You can also see Dumbledore's office and even a scale model of Hogwarts Castle. By the way, in case you haven't noticed it previously, Diagon Alley sounds a lot like diagonally when said in normal speech. federal judge in New York has ruled that Apple was in violation of federal antitrust laws when it engaged in a conspiracy with five large publishers to fix the price of e-books. The judge said that Apple played a major role in the scheme that was designed to inflate the price of books. Judge Denise Cote of U.S. District Court in Manhattan said that Apple's participation in the conspiracy was instrumental in allowing it to succeed. Government lawyers filed suit about a year ago, charging Apple with collusion. This is another black eye for Apple, following revelations recently that the company legally, but with questionable ethics, hid billions of dollars to avoid taxes. An Apple spokesman, Tom Newmeyer, denied that the company conspired to fix prices, and said that the company will continue to battle what he terms false accusations. 
The publishers had settled previously with the federal government, and an agreement between the publishers and the government forbids the publishers from setting restrictions on the price retailers can charge for books. As a result, e-book prices generally have declined. During the trial, government lawyers produced various email messages from Apple, including one written by Steve Jobs as CEO of Apple, and the government argued that it showed intent by Apple to force Amazon to raise its prices. In 2010, Jobs commented to a reporter who asked why anyone would buy electronic books from Apple when they could buy them for less from Amazon that eventually the prices would be the same. This isn't the end, of course. Apple will almost certainly appeal the ruling to the U.S. Court of Appeals. And it'll probably go beyond there. Social media. You've probably already heard both sides. Some say you can't have a successful business without social media, while others respond that using social media is nothing more than a waste of time. Both venerated and vilified, social media can't be both, can it? Well, as with most things, the truth probably lurks somewhere in the middle. Let's take a look. There's no question that businesses can put social media to good use. Most large companies use social media, and some even have highly explicit guidelines on how employees may use social media, even on their own time and with their own equipment, when the topic involves the business. The power of various social media is significant. Large organizations have enough people, probably either in the marketing or public relations area, to provide immediate responses to posts that concern the company. And they probably have an IT department with sufficient savvy to create an application that monitors the various social media and alerts those who can respond when the organization is mentioned. But if you're running a one-person business or any small business that doesn't have a marketing department, a PR department, and an IT department, the challenges are going to be more problematic. I have met business owners who feel that they must have a website, and that they must be on Facebook, and that they must be active on LinkedIn, and that they must have a Twitter account. And somewhere along the way, they lose track of the fact that the goal of their business is to sell a product or a service and not to create a never-ending stream of Facebook posts, LinkedIn updates, and tweets. And because they spend so much time posting updates, they forget to perform the very tasks that might make their business grow. Prospecting for new clients, taking care of existing clients, looking for ways to be more effective. They're so caught up in the need to communicate that they fail to communicate with existing prospects and clients. That's no way to run a business. That's no way to grow a business. It's a good way to become irrelevant to the very people that you hope will buy, or continue to buy, your product or service. So consider this. You're flipping through a magazine and you see an ad for a bright, shiny new truck. Now this truck gets great mileage, and it provides larger capacity than any competing truck. So the next day, you rush into the office, call the local truck dealer, and arrange to have a new truck delivered that afternoon. Great, right? Well, not if your company specializes in providing pedicures for Pomeranian puppies. You don't need a truck. Think of social media as a truck, or a tool, because that's exactly what it is, a tool. Just as you'd never buy a new truck if you didn't need a new truck, 
or any truck at all, it makes no sense to sign up for Facebook unless you have a need for what Facebook can do. How much time are you willing to waste on distractions that will have no positive effect on your business? Now, that's not to say social media can't help your business, but you need to figure out how it can be made to work for you before you set aside large blocks of time on what will essentially be little more than a distraction if you don't figure out how to make it work for you. Focus on the potential return on investment. How can you determine the value of social media to your business? Well, the first thing to do is to ignore those social media consultants who claim that they're going to triple your business in a year by using social media. The absurdity should be obvious, and it requires only a bit of skepticism and critical thinking. You do need to know the costs. What will it cost to train your staff to use social media? What will be the cost of their time spent away from normal duties? Will you have to purchase content or pay to have audio or video produced? What about research to determine both a baseline for where you are now and where you'll be in a month or six months or a year? Will you have to outsource any function? What hardware or software might you need to acquire? Social media doesn't work in a vacuum. Will you need to buy advertising to pull people to your site, your Facebook page, or your Twitter stream? What modifications will be needed to any existing online content that you have? Will you need to change email templates or direct mail campaigns? And time can be a significant cost. You'll need to learn how to use the tools and the procedures and then to develop the discipline to keep it up. Bear in mind that any time you or your employees spend on social media is time that you or they can't spend on the core business functions. So if you're thinking about using social media, I'm not trying to be discouraging or to dissuade you from doing so. This stuff can really be valuable. But it's important to set reasonable and measurable expectations and to understand the many and varied costs. In short circuits, PC sales continue dropping. Now, the good news is that the decline in PC sales has stopped accelerating. The bad news is that PC shipments declined for the fifth consecutive quarter, and that is the longest decline the history has ever seen, according to the two big industry analysts, International Data Corporation and Gartner. Gartner says total worldwide PC shipments declined nearly 11% to $76 million in the second quarter. IDC's numbers were similar. All the major manufacturers had lower sales compared with the same period last year, and HP is no longer the largest seller of PCs worldwide, but it did hold on to the top position in the United States. Both Gardner and IDC reported that HP shipped 4 million PCs during the quarter. That's down about 4%. Dell's sales were down about 6% to a little under 4 million units. Apple was in third place, with sales slightly under 2 million units and a decline of about one-half of 1%. Gartner's numbers for Apple showed that decline to be slightly larger. Lenovo's sales increased. They were up nearly 20% to about 1.5 million units. And tablet sales, whoo, they increased nearly 70% during the quarter. That's to be expected, though. Until recently, tablets have been a very small part of the market, 
and this does indeed seem to be the year of the tablet. Microsoft says the release to manufacturing version of Windows 8.1 is going to be ready before the end of August. The preview version was released to the general public recently, but I recommend avoiding it and waiting for the official update. Those who install the preview version over an existing Windows 8 installation will lose all of their apps. And when they install the official Windows 8.1 release, they'll lose not only their apps again but also all of their installed desktop applications. Now, this can be avoided by setting up a dual boot system or by running Windows 8.1 in a virtual machine. But considering I think Windows 8 is not particularly clunky or fatally flawed, which seems to be the pundit's general view, I'm not particularly excited about any of those preview options. Windows 8 will do me just fine till Windows 8.1 comes along. Windows 8.1 will install without harm over a standard Windows 8 installation, but keep in mind any operating system upgrade has to be preceded by a full and complete backup, just in case something bad happens. As for general availability, Microsoft hasn't yet announced a date for that. That's when the update will be available in stores or for download. One thing that security researchers are supposed to do when they find a flaw in an application or an operating system is to report that flaw to the software publisher first. Instead, when Google security engineer Tavis Ormandy found a bug in Windows, he wrote publicly about it on his blog and included a significant amount of detail. Microsoft says hackers have exploited that flaw and Google has gone to great lengths to point out that Ormandy was posting on his own and not as a representative of Google. Ormandy reported the flaw about two months ago. Microsoft hasn't provided details about how the exploit was used, but it did use the term targeted attacks in its description of the problem. Security experts often use that targeted attacks term to characterize espionage and sabotage attacks aimed specifically at government or corporate targets. Armandy was criticized at the time for posting technical descriptions of the flaw publicly because doing so can allow crooks to exploit the flaw before the software publisher has time to assess the scope of the problem and mitigate it. And that seems to be exactly what happened. This week, as part of the regular monthly patch release, Microsoft issued a fix for six critical flaws, including the kernel driver vulnerability that Ormandy revealed. It affected Windows XP, Server 2003, Vista, Server 2008, including the R2 patch version, Windows 7, Windows 8, Server 2012, and the RT version. In other words, posting this exploit made just about every Windows machine in the world highly vulnerable. Whether Ormandy was posting on behalf of Google or not, his posts reflect badly on Google because of his association with the company. 
Google's legal and public relations teams probably will now create a new training program and possibly some new rules around how employees can use social media. Oh, by the way, here's a kind of a P.S. After being on WTVN radio for something like 16 years, Technology Corner became TechBiter worldwide and then moved to the web. I mention that because last month was the beginning of the eighth year as a podcast. Thanks for being part of that process. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.